Amen, amen, amen. You know, I couldn't help but think while I was getting my mind ready for service today of the men that went out to spy the land as the children of God were moving into the promised land. Anybody remember that story? And they sent out 12 spies. And 10 came back with a bad report. They said, we know God's bad, but he ain't this bad. We know God's powerful, but he's not this powerful. We know God's done a lot of amazing things, but not even God could beat this enemy. Anybody remember that story? But two came back and said, with God, anything is possible. And because of the unbelief of the majority, for every day they spied out the land, God said, you're going to wander in the wilderness. And they wandered 40 years. Anybody know this story? Are we in the same Bible? This just came to me, and I just wanted to share this with somebody. When it was Joshua's turn, he got real clever. He said, well, only two came back with a good report last time. So forget the, forget the 12. I'm just going to send two. I mean, he was, he was tapped in. Hallelujah. He said, 12 got it wrong last time. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to save myself the trouble. I'm just going to send two. Amen. I wonder if there's just a couple people here that believe God can do something. Now, I don't mean something next week. I don't mean when the next president gets in office. I'm not talking about... Now, I wonder if there's just a couple people that can say, you know what, I believe God can do anything. I believe God could deliver somebody today. I believe a giant could fall in somebody's life today. I believe God could free somebody of addiction today. Do I just have two people that just say God's big enough? Oh, come on, I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm trying to activate faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you believe God could do something here, raise your hands and say, God, uh, I'll be one of the two. Come on, somebody help me. God, uh, I don't know about the majority, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, God, I don't know about the person in front of me, behind me, next to me. I don't know about my mama that stayed home, my uncle that didn't want to come, but God, I believe uh, that you can do something supernatural in this place today. Come on, somebody activate faith with me. Come on, somebody be one of the two. Somebody be one of the few that says, God, I believe. God, if you're in it, it is possible. God, if you're in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I just want to activate somebody's faith here today that we serve a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. And man, I can ask for a lot, and my daddy's better even than my own imagination. Amen. If you got a need in this place, your daddy is can think bigger, 
can think further down the road, can think more miracles than even what you can think up. Come on, let somebody's faith get on board with me here today. I know I'm, ta I know, I know I'm jumping right into this, but we got to have faith in this place. Uh, we got to have faith in this place that says, God, me? God, you could deliver me? God, you could save me? Even with my mess, yes, God can save you. Don't let the suit fool you. Don't let the tie fool you. When God found me, I was a mess. Amen. Amen. I'm glad to be in God's house today. And uh, like Pastor Hood said, uh, my heart is with my church in Spokane. But we're all part of the body of Christ. And I am thankful for the many men that spoke into my life and sacrifice their schedules to believe in me and to love on me. And I hope I can do that here today. Amen. Luke chapter 23 and verse 26 is where we're going to be. And I'm going to do my best to not be long because we want to leave room for God to do what only he can do. Amen. Now, if you don't know, you've walked into an apostolic Pentecostal church. Well, what does that mean? That just means that we believe God can do anything. Well, what does that mean? We, we, all that means is if it happened in the Bible, we believe it can happen today. Well, you mean the blind eyes can be opened? We believe it. You mean God can deliver? We believe it. Amen. So if we get a little excited... Just blame it on how good God's been to us. If we start clapping and crying and lifting our hands, just blame it on our families are still together. Just blame it on we're still healthy and strong. Just, just blame it on all the good God's done in our lives. Amen. Well, if you're there, Luke chapter 23. And if you're not there, then you're just going to have to believe me. Luke chapter 23 and verse 26, and the Bible says, And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon of Cyrenian. Maybe a Bible scholar can correct me. Coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross. Do you see that there? And on him... They laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. For those that don't know, this passage is during the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do my best to teach, to preach with all my heart on this topic, a fortunate accident. A fortunate accident. Anybody have one of those in your life? A fortunate accident. Can we put our Bibles down? And can I ask you to pray specifically, God, make room in my heart. For your word today. Can we do that, God? 
if there's any unbelief, God, if I've got the clock on in my heart, God, I pray, remove it. God, I pray the Spirit of God would move in this place and it would begin to minister on a level that I couldn't dream to minister on. God, I pray, God, the broken hearted would be mended today. God, I pray those that are spiritually bumbling through life, uh, God, would have straight paths today. God, I pray uh, that the rocks, uh, God, and the weeds of a misspent life, God, would be cleared out today so the seed of God's Word can find a place to be planted in. Come on, if you if you got this, God, pray for somebody next to you. God, I pray for every visitor that walked in here looking for hope. I pray for every visitor that's tried the drugs and the relationships, that's looking for something new, something fresh, something that'll last longer than a high, that'll last longer than a one night with a relationship. God, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. As some of you may know, I work and have worked for the last decade in the world of professional filmmaking. We work hard each and every shoot we go on to get the perfect shot. Sometimes... We work with talent, and we strategize and plan to get them to say just the right thing with just the right amount of emotion. You see, in filmmaking, everything has to be exaggerated. Otherwise, the point falls mute. This is why we don't look to television and movies for direction, because everything has to be exaggerated. Amen. Take that from somebody that's worked in this for a while. You see, in filmmaking, we want people to hit all the right marks. We want it to unfold exactly like we planned it. A phrase not too uncommon in the lips of any director right after a shot was perfectly executed is, let's do it one more time. But boss, didn't we just get it right? Yeah, we did, but I want a couple takes uh, of it done just perfectly. Man, I think there's a lot we can learn from that just in our walk with God. Sometimes we get it just right, and God sends us back out into the field and says, let's win another soul. But God, didn't I get it right last time? Oh, you got it right. But let's pray through again. But God, don't I have it all down and pat? Yes, but let's reach again. Let's try again. Amen. One more time, everyone, and everyone finds their places. And if you've ever seen the behind the scenes of a filmmaking shoot, this is something they will do over and over and over again. And you've got to appreciate the director has something specific 
in mind. He may not even let on to his talent what exactly he's looking for, but he's going to say, do it with a little more emotion. Do it with a little more vigor. Do it with a little bit more of a pep in your step. And he's reaching for something maybe the, the actors cannot see. Maybe the cinematographer or the audio guy cannot comprehend, but the director has something in mind. Amen. This is why it is so important that we don't buck up against spiritual leadership. Guys, we don't find a whole lot of glory in doing it again. But we've got something specific in mind. Hallelujah. This, this is why when God says, get out there and try again, it's no time to argue. But it's time to look at the director and say, I trust you. I trusted you when I was sick, so I'm going to trust you when I'm blessed. I trusted you when I had nothing, so I'm going to trust you when I've got everything. It's time for somebody to get out one more time. Amen. But every once in a while, unplanned, undirected, something will click. Something will transpire through the lens of that camera that no amount of planning could predict. And in the filmmaking industry, we call it a fortunate accident. It's just the right inflection. It's just the right way it was carried out. And the cameras were on and the sun was shining just perfectly. And there was just the right amount of lens flare. And the birds chirping. And it was just something about the moment that we could not have dreamed of scripting. And it just plays out. And it is an amazing, beautiful moment. And the director yells, cut! We got it. It was a fortunate accident. One such fortunate accident happened to Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, I know nobody here has ever seen a movie, but for those that have, this famous scene is where he brought a gun to a knife fight that was never supposed to happen. You see, Harrison Ford had been ill with dysentery for several days while shooting Raiders of the Lost Ark with director Steven Spielberg, one of the best in the business. The script called for three and a half pages of a fight scene between Indiana Jones and the guy with a sword. Now, if anybody's ever looked at a sheet of, of, of film, of, of a director's plan, three and a half pages is a whole lot of work. And no doubt the guy with the sword had planned weeks and months to get his part just perfect, had went through and got every, every move of the sword and everything exactly like Steven Spielberg would have planned and made sure that when he got on the set, it was going to be absolute perfection. But Harrison Ford said, you know, Spielberg, can we change this up a little bit? 
I need to spend a little extra time in the bathroom. This is a true story. Spielberg obliged. And after the swordsman in the scene began to do his intense wielding and cutting with the sword, Harrison Ford, sick with dysentery, pulls out his gun and shoots him. It was unplanned. It was unscripted. But it ended up being one of the most memorable parts of the entire film. It was a fortunate accident. Amen. Let me be clear here today before we go any further. There was nothing accidental about what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. Let me say it again. Let me be perfectly clear before we go forward. There was nothing accidental about Jesus dying for your mess. It was totally on purpose when Judas, one of Jesus's 12 disciples, betrayed him. It wasn't an accident when they brought Jesus before the kangaroo trial, trial and convicted him. It was Peter, one of Jesus's closest friends, that denied him over and over and over again. It was not a mistake when they chose a murderer over Jesus. Pilate knew exactly what he was doing when he washed his hands of the blood of Jesus Christ. It wasn't some freak thing that happened when they stripped Jesus and began to whip him with the cat of nine tails until his body was beaten and broken. There was nothing accidental when they shoved the crown of thorns on his head and robed him with the garment of a king and began to mock him. Every lash was intentional with you and me in mind. All the blood and all the suffering was fulfilled was to fulfill a very specific purpose. Even if it was unknown to those closest to him. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, for you were sh like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's okay to remind us ourselves every once in a while where God found us. 
it's fitting every once in a while to go back down memory lane and remember the despair. Remember the brokenness. I'm not talking about shame. I'm not talking about living under the curse of sin. I'm talking about reigniting why you're here today. I'm talking about reinvigorating why we clap our hands, uh, why we outreach. Uh, it's not because we got nothing better to do. Friend, let me tell you why we're here today. Because Jesus found us uh, broken like sheep gone astray. We tried the drugs. We tried the women. We tried all the world had to offer. And yet we found emptiness. Yet we found nothing. Oh, come on. We got we to gotta give God a little bit of praise. Yes. Hallelujah. What Jesus did on Calvary's cross, he did with his eyes wide open. We see him say before his tragic sacrifice, Oh, my father. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew the only way to deliver you from depression, the only way to deliver you from fornication and adultery, the only exit plan you had of ever getting out of darkness was through the blood that he shed on Calvary. Jesus understood that the only way Aaron was ever going to be free was through Calvary. Jesus knew the only way you and I were going to sit here with peace, with joy, with long-suffering, with patience. Wasn't going to be because we live in America. Wasn't going to be because we had a good family. Wasn't going to be because we had a great job. Wasn't going to be because we drove a nice car to church. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary. in the midst of killing our Savior that the story I read unfolds. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon. A Cyrenian coming out of the country and on him they laid the cross. It is here. It is in this brief moment of time that Simon is ushered out of obscurity. No longer one of a sea of faces. No longer just a passerby but in a fortunate accident. They say, hey, you, we need you to bear the cross of this king of the Jews. And it is in that moment 
that he picks up, no doubt, the bloody, heavy cross of Jesus Christ and becomes one of the first to put into action where Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Just one moment. Just one moment. In the summer of 1954, a woman by the name of Joanne went with a man to Syria. They spent two months there. She learned to cook different Syrian dishes. When they returned back to the States, she discovered that she was pregnant. They were both young. They decided to not get married. Another single mom. Her father was dying at the time. And even in his state of near death, it threatened that he would disown her if she married the man. That baby that should not have survived went on to say, I'm glad I didn't end up as an abortion. She was 23. And she went through a lot to have me, Steve Jobs. A fortunate accident. The very first antibiotic ever discovered by doctors was discovered on accident after being left out for two weeks. Instead of throwing it away, he took the ruined Petri dish and began to study it. And it was in that moment that he discovered penicillin. He said, when I woke up after dawn on September 28, 1928, I certainly didn't plan to revolutionize all medicine by discovering the world's first antibiotic or bacterial killer. But I suppose that is exactly what I did. Alexander Fleming. A lady by the name of Cantor Fitzgerald, a, a business by the name of Cantor Fitzgerald was located on the 101st floor to 105th floor of the Twin Towers. They lost 658 of their 960 employees on 9-11. But Monica O'Leary survived because the day before she was laid off. Guys, I understand that sometimes life hits you. I get that there are circumstances swirling in so many of our minds today. I get that some of us look back over our life and we say, why, why, why? But I gotta tell somebody today that you and God can turn what should have been a mess That you and God, that should have broken you, that should have left you, that should have buried you, that if you take it to God, he can take what was an accident. He can take what should have killed you. Come on, somebody, help me today. 
He can take what should have left you lonely into a blessing, into a miracle. All of us here today can look back over our lives and see all the things that were never supposed to happen. They weren't a part of the plan. It's easy to blame ourselves, our families, our spouses, for all the pain and frustration that they brought into our lives. Somebody hear me today. You see, it's in lives, unscripted events. It's in these accidents that God can really shine in our lives. You see, instead of that mistake holding you back, that mistake can propel you. You don't know my mistakes. You don't know my Jesus. Well, Aaron, you don't know what I've done. You don't know that old rugged cross. You see, you can let that accident, you can let that decision, you can let that child, you can let that job, you can let that broken relationship keep you crippled and limping the rest of your spiritual walk. Or you can say, God, take my accidents and make them fortunate. God, take my mistakes and make them usable. God, take every time I drop the ball and use them to your glory. I wonder how many people here, you'd be winning souls if what, what shouldn't have happened, happened. I wonder how many people here you'd be preaching if what you shouldn't have done, you did. I wonder if I could put some faith into somebody and say God is bigger than your mistakes. God is greater. Come on, somebody. You need to show God right now. I believe. I believe. God, use me. Come on, this is a moment in time that Jesus may be laying something heavy on you, friend. Oh, no, I got to say this. Well, it's just another Sunday, and God didn't do anything last week, and so there's just no way God could do The Bible says that without faith, I know Jesus might be trying to lay something heavy on you today. Something with a little bit of blood on it. Something that doesn't look real attractive. It's, it's not in the lights. It's not, it doesn't come with status. It, it may not mean a raise next month on the job. But let me tell somebody, there's something greater than a raise on the job. It's seeing your babies living for him. There's something more powerful. Than you getting that new car that you know and I know you can't afford. There's something bigger 
than that house you're looking forward to. And that is living a life that is in alignment with the ways of Jesus. There's something greater. Aaron, why are you so passionate? Because I've run after money and there's no joy in money. Aaron, why are you so excited? Because I've run after status. I run with some of the best of them and there's no peace in status. you so excitable because I've worn suits. I've got a last name that'll take me just about anywhere I want to go, but they're you know where you found peace? You know where you find joy? You know where you find patience? It's in Jesus. And every time you drop the ball, that blood is there. Every time you stagger, and you fall. The blood of Jesus is there to cover you. And by the time you get to Golgotha's hill, that blood is all over you. And instead of you being ashamed, instead of you being afraid, you, you now have an understanding. If Jesus is with me, nothing can stop me. Greater is he. Come on, let's stand and clap our hands. I'm not done, but somebody needs to activate faith. Come on, listen to the preacher just for a little bit. Stand and let's clap our hands and say, God, use me. God, use me. God, use me. Use my accidents. Use my prison time. Use my fornication. God, to be a blessing in the kingdom. You may be seated. You see, Brotherhood and I, we were raised in an environment that we're just crazy enough to believe that God can do it. We're just crazy. Listen, I know you've been in church a long time and things haven't happened like you thought they'd, but let me tell you, we're just, there's just a couple of us that are, I know there may be, there's some here today, amen. We're just crazy enough to believe uh, that if you lift your hands uh, and say, Jesus, it's my turn. I'm ready, Jesus. Jesus, I'm here, God. Sunday, it's my service. I know you're going to bless other people, but bless me today. I know you gave them their kids back, but give me my kids back today. God, I know you gave them a job. Give me a job today it is through God's love his mercy and grace that he takes what was supposed to cripple us kill us, ruin us, and makes them the very thing that blesses us, that builds us, and enriches us. You can stand in Jesus' name. Your pastor, 
is a testament to what I'm preaching today. He's not supposed to be here. He was an accident. No, no, you think I'm making this up. You ask him for his testimony. He'd tell you gladly. Some would call him a mistake. But on November 3rd, what everyone thought was just going to be an inconvenience. What everyone thought was just going to get in the way of their plans and schemes for the world. Oh, I know. What people said was a mistake on November 3rd was birthed into the world. Your pastor. And now in the face of every lying devil. Now in the face of every person. That says you weren't supposed to be here. You're nothing but a mistake. You're nothing but an accident. You're only in the way. For every time daddy didn't say I love you. Mama didn't hold him. In the face of every lying devil. He's saying God. What they said was an accident. You're making fortunate. Every time he preaches. Every time he prays for you. Every time he wraps his arms around you. He is defying a lying devil. That says you are supposed to be nothing. You are supposed to be addicted. Washed up. Laid out. Don't tell me God can't use you. I believe in this place today because I've seen it in my life. I know I get excited. I'm that skinny white guy that you just can't wait to go to Chick-fil-A. Hallelujah. But I believe in a service just like this. Somebody that's been carrying mistakes around your neck. What mama told you is still ringing in your ears. What your wife told you is still ringing in your ears. You're nothing but a failure, a loser. That that weight that is bearing down on you, you can't lift your hands because every time you do, you're reminded of your mistakes. Uh, you can't cry anymore because you think you've disappointed God too much. Uh, you can't worship freely like you used to because those mistakes, uh, those, those accidents, uh, those sins, they just hold you down. i got to tell somebody today in this altar, if you come and you say, God, whatever it takes, uh, no matter the time, forget that clock on the back of the wall, no matter the time, the sacrifice, if i got to go home and I got to clean out the drawer. I got to get rid of I got to get rid of some toxic friends. God take these accidents take these mistakes and God make them fortunate. Let's lift our hands all over this place. Come on I want if you know how to pray don't mess with me right now let's pray. Come on let's pray. I don't want to invite 
If this sermon spoke to you in any way, this is not an admission of guilt. I want to invite you to this altar. Come on, I'm the first one down here. I want to invite you to this altar. Come on, come on. I need somebody to be like Simon that says, you know what? I'm available. I'll do it. I, I, I know I've made mistakes and I've dropped the ball, God. But I believe what this man said today. I believe you can take my mistakes. I believe you can take it, God, and use it to your glory. Here, we're going to lift our hands right now. Come on, we're going to lift our hands together. And right now, we're going to begin to own those mistakes. We're not going to blame family. We're not going to blame friends. The Bible calls this repentance. And right now we're going to say, God, uh, I take ownership uh, over every time I lied. I take ownership uh, over every time I cheated. God, I own it. God, I disappointed you. I missed the mark. Come on, somebody feel that? Anybody feel the blood of Jesus? God, I take ownership of every time, God, I went right when you told me to go left. The Bible tells us uh, if we confess our sins, uh, He is faithful and just uh, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness. Uh, it is in this moment right now uh, that God can begin to cleanse you, can wash you. Come on, somebody, accept it. Accept what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Uh, that this would be a woman of God. She would defy every odd. She would defy every odd, every lying voice, every person that said you could never be anything. I pray, God, she's blessed. I pray, God, she's rich with your love. I pray she walks in the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, she's a soul winner that defies the odds. In Jesus' name. God isn't done with you. God is not done with you. The devil's 